Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud to get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Uh, you can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com or follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. So as part of Philly Sketchfest next week, we will be hosting a panel about community, diversity, and identity in the world of comedy. So on Saturday, June 2nd at 2 p.m., come to Amalgam Comics and join us in the conversation. More information is posted online. Today's guest is Nikki Hulowski currently a member of the Edmonton, Alberta, Canada-based Marvin Berry, who will be joining us at Philly Sketchfest on Friday, June 1st. Her first sketch is called Sexual Harassment, and I read the roles of Brian and Michael, and Nikki reads the boss and the stage direction. So let's get to the sketch. Office workplace, casual Friday, <laughs> Q-Poo SFX. It's not necessary. The boys wrote that in. <laughs> uh, Brian is sitting at his desk filling out T4 reports. Susan, his superior, suddenly appears close behind him. Throughout the scene with Susan, Brian becomes increasingly uncomfortable. Sneaks her head in. You know, Brian, you'd be so much more handsome if you just smiled more. Oh, hi, Susan. How was your weekend? What kind of trouble did you get into? Or... Or should I say, who? <laughs> I stayed in this weekend. Just me, my sweats, a bottle of red, and Netflix. Well, that's fucking lame. Not really. I, I just needed Yeah, well, the girls and I went out on the town looking to slay some sausage. You know, we were like tiger cats in the night. No, panthers. I found this one tight and tall piece of man, and I pounced. He smelled like bad decisions in motor oil. You know, he got my gears grinding, if you know what I mean. <laughs> she winks. I'm glad you had a good weekend. You know, you really need to learn how to relax. Susan places her hand on Brian's shoulder. Awkward, Brian begins to search for his desk, search his desk for his company ID card. It's nowhere to be seen. He lets out a deep sigh. Lost your card again? Apparently. Well, I could always lend you mine if you really needed it. Susan gestures towards the card sticking out of her bra. But then you're going to have to do something for me. Something for you? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Susan laughs and suddenly becomes deeply serious. <laughs> yes, Brian, you weak baby dear. Something for me. Brian begins to fidget. Susan reaches across his desk with her chest in his face to grab a Kleenex. As she does so, she takes a hearty whiff of his hair. Mmm, new cologne? You wear it well. Um, yeah, my, my girlfriend bought it, for, bought it for an anniversary present last week. That's all? Cologne? <laughs> Susan swipes everything off of Brian's desk onto the floor and begins to crawl like a feral cat onto the desk as she continues. If you were my husband, I'd be giving you more than that on a regular basis, banana pants. I'd have flapjacks and fellatio for you every weekend and take you to those stupid action movies you love so much. I wouldn't be able to walk straight for a month after I rode Michael Enters. Hey, Brian, can I borrow your stapler? Mine's jammed again. As Michael enters the room, Susan jumps off the desk, crosses her arms. 
So he basically interrupts her sentence. I wouldn't be able to walk straight for a month after I wrote your ass for not getting these T4 reports right for the fifth damn time and your desk gesturing to the contents strewn about the floor. An absolute disaster for Christ's sake. Clean this mess up immediately. I, I might have to start considering someone else for that position directly underneath me. Think about what I said, Brian. I'll see you in the lunchroom. I'll be under the table and wear a dress. Michael appears again and moves in to return the stapler. I heard I heard her talking to you, so I tried to move in to scare her off, but she kind of scared me off instead. She still won't leave you alone, hey? Yeah, thanks, Mike. It's going to be a bit much. I thought you were going to talk to HR about her. I know, I know. I just don't want to cause any trouble for anyone. I know, I know. I just think sometimes you let people take advantage of you. Michael places his hand on Brian's shoulder. Thanks. They stare at each other for a brief moment and then violently make out. Blackout. (laughs) Hey, Nikki. Hi, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, so tell me about the sketch. Where did this idea come from? Um, I have... Uh, well, like being a woman, you know what I mean? In the yeah. workplace. Uh, it's interesting. I, uh, it's especially hard, like with everything that's kind of going on right now to kind of talk about this. Um, but so I wrote this in 2015 before the whole like me too campaign and all of that kind of stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so generally when I wrote it, it, the idea was just that it was funny. I really wanted to try to put a man in a woman's shoes, um, and just be like, what would, how does it feel? Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually have a lot of sketches that are like this, where I did a lot of um, gender reversal mm-hmm. uh, with the boys. So I have another sketch called Pregnant Men that I wrote. Um, and the idea was like, what if we lived in a world where um, men were pregnant instead of women, mm-hmm. but they were still very manly and they still had all the same genitalia. <laughs> Um, they just carried the child. And so, uh, that was something that I kind of got on the roll on and sexual harassment was one of the sketches that was the same. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I grew up in the oil field because I'm from Alberta, which is kind of like the Texas of Canada. And, uh, I actually have two trades. So I'm a journeyman machinist and I also do, uh, mill writing. And then I like weld and do heavy duty and automotive mechanics. Um, and so I kind of grew up with a lot of this attitude all the time. Like anytime I'd go anywhere, I'd be in the middle of sight or something like that. And I'm in coveralls and some guy would be like, you really should smile more. And I'm like, you really should mind your own fucking business, <laughs> but you don't want to, you know, but you don't want to say that. So it's like, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you navigate that without like just being a <laughs> shitty human? Cause it's not like when guys say that they don't always, they're not always trying to be like shitty to you when they say that. Sometimes they're just like genuinely trying to be nice, you know what I mean? And they're like, depend- you know what I- It's true though. Like sometimes guys are just like, you look really beautiful today. And I feel like women can't take that anymore that they're like, fuck you. You don't talk to me. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just trying to be nice. Um, so this was less of like huge feminist movement <laughs> and more just like, it would be really funny if a woman talked to a man the way that a man can sometimes talk to a woman. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned this uh, is 2015. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is written for Marvin Berry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me about, well, all right, let's, uh, 
let's go back to the beginning. Uh, you, yeah. you mentioned growing up in, uh, you know, oil fields of Alberta, which I, I know very little about Alberta. That's okay. Uh, because why should any American know about Canada? Yeah. Well, about Alberta, like I'm sure that you know the bigger cities and the bigger. But um, so, what were you into growing up? What what made you laugh? What did you watch? Any major uh, film? Yeah, well, I mean, like, there's the obvious, like, Dumb and Dumber, like Jim Carrey, not just being Canadian, but just like mm-hmm. he's a funny fucking guy. Um, so I really love Jim Carrey. Uh, I really loved um, Chris Farley. I really loved SNL because, like, back at that time, SNL was still good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I'm being well, honest. Like, I feel what's like the era of SNL was- then? Like, what? What is your back then? It was still good time. <laughs> Well, like we watched a lot of reruns from like the, you know, like those 80s and 90s. And and that was for me, those were like the best eras until you got like Chris and Wig and Bill Hader coming back. And then it was like, oh, my God, SNL's making a comeback. And now it's just kind of like, oh, okay, well, that's (laughs) on again. Um, I just don't feel inspired. Uh, But the one person actually that really, really inspired me that really wanted me to like maybe want to write comedy was actually Dave Chappelle. Okay. Uh, and I could talk about Dave Chappelle for a fucking lifetime. Uh, I think he's incredible. Um, but it was just that everything that he wrote had a double meaning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's like, he always had an about about to all of his sketches. And that's actually how Marvin Berry writes as well. I think I talk about it a lot more than the boys. I think they write a lot more like uh, fun, like random bullshit than I do. Mm-hmm. Um but everything that I write has a tendency to have an about about. So for example, sexual harassment is just like about a woman, like, you know, trying to hit on this dude, but it's actually about like, what is the, like, this is also something that happens. You know what I mean? Uh, A lot of people focus on the women being sexual assaulted, but there's tons of times that men get sexually assaulted, but they just don't say anything about it because either they don't look at it that way. Or if they do, it's like really awkward. It's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? To say something about that. Oh, I realize I spelled harassment wrong. (laughs) Anyways, yeah. So Dave Chappelle was a huge thing for me because Chappelle Show. I, I'm, I'm hoping you saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, just everything that he he said and everything that he wrote and everything that he did always had a had a, a meaning to it. Um, and that's something that I always really appreciate about him and really um, missed about him when he was gone is that he wasn't scared to talk about the things that were really hard to talk about, but he just found a way to do it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so, like, uh, you didn't mention. I mean, you mentioned Jim Carrey being Canadian. Like, is there any like Canadian comedy that really stuck out to you, or that you could like recommend to people that might not have in America that might not have seen it? Um, just recently, there's a, a, a TV show called Baroness von Sketch. It's actually on, in our, on our Netflix now. I don't know about you guys, um, but it's called Bar- Baroness von Sketch, and they're quite good. It's four middle-aged women doing sketch comedy. Um, I'm not a really big fan of how the show itself is set up, the but I really enjoy their sketches, um, for the most part. When, especially when you see them like online and you can kind of watch mm-hmm. the short, you know, like a short snip of one or something like that. I've always found their stuff to be quite funny, um, so I would recommend that. Um, in regards to sketch comedy, I I don't know. Like live sketch comedy or like shows or, or like yeah, yeah TV because generally when I, the couple of uh, Canadians I've talked to so far I've always like joked about like uh, kids in the hall or 
I'm fascinated by the Red Green show. <laughs> uh, because that came down, it was playing on our PBS stations, for, like our public television stations for a while. Yeah. And like, what is, what's going on here? I don't understand this. Like, right. And I recognize a couple of the actors within it from like other roles that they've done, but I was just like, this is, this is weird. Yeah. Red Green makes me laugh. I, I grew up watching that as well. And um, it's very like small town. And also, like, closer east. Like, you can really hear it in their accent when they're talking. Most of us don't sound like, oh, yeah, hey, okay, welcome to Canada. Hey, okay, there we go. Oh, yeah, hey. Like, and, and that is our our stereotypical understanding of that accent. Like, Yeah, which is so funny because that's, like, just our East Coasters. Only our East Coasters talk like that. Every once in a while, you'll get someone, like, we do say, we do say A, but mm-hmm. I think it's, like, a shortened form of hey is what it is. So I'm, like... Uh, oh, you forgot to do that, hey? Yeah, but everyone else knows it is A, which is fine. I like it. Or the, or we always, you know, do the a boot. Yeah, a boot. Or... Yeah. It's my, or, or sorry. We say sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Or you guys say sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, I think I, I don't know if it's like a straight affectation, but like, I think I say sorry more than sorry. Oh, okay. Um, I, I. There's another Canadian that made our, that made its way down to our PBS station. I think I think they changed the title of it um, from what it was in. I think it was called Made in Canada, in Canada. Yes. With uh, what's his name, uh, Rick Mercer. Yes. Um, and I love that show. Like I saw like, the, the first two seasons of that, or uh, and I thought that was so fun. And then they stopped airing it, and I think it still kept going for a couple more seasons in Canada. So I don't know yeah. how it ends at all. Oh God! <laughs> if only I could like box it and send it to you. Um, um, I ask everybody uh, about you mentioned SNL and watching all the reruns. Do you have a favorite SNL cast member? Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Oh, hands down. Why is why is that? If, 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 pardon. Why is that? Uh, she is super inspiring to me. Uh, uh, not like like yeah, she's a woman. That's great, but it's it's also because she a hundred percent, 110% commits to everything she does. And like, she doesn't give a fuck what she looks like when she does it. Uh, um, and that's kind of a big thing for me. Um, my mom always talks about, she's like, if you could see the way you look when you do what you do, she's like, you'd never do it again. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen, like I seen a picture of me. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty prissy. Like, uh, I, I'm, I like to like have my hair done and my makeup done and, and I'm always like dressed up and the boys, I don't know how they do it. They just kind of put up with me and my like need to wear red lipstick all the time and that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's really funny because I'm such a weird juxtaposition or is that the word I'm thinking of? Yeah. I think so. Juxtaposed to opposite things. Cause like I'm, I love getting like down and dirty and stuff like that. Cause I grew up in the oil field, but I dress like a Barbie doll. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, uh, I get a lot of comments of like, Oh, you're actually funny. Like I didn't think you'd be so funny. Like that kind of stuff. And it's it's like, okay, I'll just go slip my wrists now. Do you know what I mean? Because it's this idea of like yeah. you can't be you can't, you know, dress up and, and do your makeup and be pretty and, and also be really funny. Like those things don't go together. Um uh and so yeah, Kristen Wig is one of those people. I think she's uh, fucking gorgeous. And at the same time, she is just like a powerhouse. Like she doesn't give a fuck what she looks like. Or what she's doing, she just like 110% goes to the character and the weirder the better. And that's that's me. Like the boys will write me into the weirdest <laughs> shit. 
<laughs> and then, and if they don't do it, I'll do it. And it's actually really rare that they'll write me in like a, cause we all write together. We all write individually and then we'll bring sketches together and then we'll all edit our sketches together so that they become ours instead of just mine. Sure. Um, and that's something we really like because then it really suits us as a group. Um, but the boys will hardly ever write me as like an idiot or anything like that. And I actually have a tendency to do that more than they will. They'll end up putting me in like these weird, kooky fucking characters. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. There's a specific, like, it's like some kind of like retrospective or behind the scenes Saturday Night Live thing. And I think it was like in the late 90s cast with like Sherry O'Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, on a guest hire, Molly Shannon, where that was like the first time since at least for a few years that they were like the women actually were a force on the show, like that they, yeah. they were funny and like they held their own and they were in every like, uh, and I think it was Sherry O'Terry who said it, that someone told her that, you know, go crazy on the show. Don't worry what you look like on the show. Cause you can look pretty afterwards. Yeah. Which like, on one hand feels a little reductive, but at the same time, like it's a, like a testament to like the commitment of the character and like, yeah. cause like, uh, I mean, you mentioned Kristen Wiig, like do niece and target lady, like n- none of her characters have real, yeah. Um, like vanity to them. No. Yeah. And I, and I love that because I, I think I talk about this a lot because all of us in Marvin Barry are also improvisers. We're also professional improvisers. Uh, And we're with a Canadian improv company called Rapid Fire Theater. And we actually tour like all around the world with them as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how we met and became a group and kind of like fell in comedy love with each other, as I like to put it. And the boys are just like, yeah, we like each other. (laughs) And I'm so much like, we're in love. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I find... I find that there's a lot of things that women do and don't want to do. Like, I agree with you, like the, the, the vanity aspect, like she has no vanity in her character. Sometimes she, she will like, um, the, the, uh, one character who, uh, uh, she has to be better than everyone. And she's mm-hmm. like pulling on her hair and that, and like that character. I can't remember her yeah. name, but she's like, yeah, I'm actually literally in a bowl of soup right now. And I'm just like swimming around and like, you know, that which character I'm talking yeah, about. I can't remember her that character's name either because I'm, I'm getting her name confused with the, the surprise one. Yeah. Yeah. The aunt or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> surprise. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that one of the things she does so well instead of just like uh, instead of just going away from characters that aren't really vain is that she doesn't limit to herself to what she can play. And what I was getting at, sorry, I talk in circles a lot. I have ADHD. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll like lose my brain. Um, uh, Oh, I I was talking to a lot of women in improv and they'll actually go away from playing any sort of like Valley girl or like Californian kind of style or any like bimbos or anything like that. They'll go away from it because they're like, that's not what women should be represented as. Um, but I actually think they're doing themselves a disservice by doing that because there are women that are like that. And just because you play a character like that doesn't mean you're necessarily just making fun of that person. Like, and if you are, you should be making fun of everyone equally. Right. Do you know what I mean? And, and it also makes you less versatile if you can't, if you can't play a character like that, or if you can't 
have enough of a joke or laugh about yourself enough to not be like to play a character like that, then it's, I think, yeah, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. So I think there's this idea that you have to portray characters that like speak for either their entire ethnicity or their entire gender or identity. Like every character has to be like a full representation of, yeah group yeah and and that's hard especially with everything that's going on right now and i i fully support being politically correct and i'm very scared to kind of say this so maybe like use your judgment when we talk about this (laughs) if you post this um but i think that uh i like i don't think it's okay to make fun of people and and to think that you can represent a certain person but i also agree with you in the sense that not every character represents an entire group of people. And if we're looking at it that way, then we're basically saying that anybody else that is different from that caricature that we are playing doesn't really exist or doesn't properly represent their own, their own, whether it's race or gender or like, you know, whatever they identify as or religion um, by saying that, that, that is a representation of them. Therefore everyone else is also kind of wrong. You know what I mean? It's like this weird pivot point of like, don't, don't portray people like that because we don't want people to think that they're like that, but, but we're offended by you portraying that thing because also that is what those people are like. And we don't want, Mm -hmm. we don't want that. And it's like, but you're saying both things are neither and neither are both. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So it's hard. so you mentioned um, meeting Marvin Berry within the confines of uh, Rapid Fire yes. Theater. Tell how how did that all come to be? Where, how did you get into Rapid Fire Theater? Oh boy! How did you get to that? Point? <laughs> oh boy! Um, a really good friend of mine was in Rapid Fire. I so in high school I did improv. Um, two of my brothers and I did improv together and did drama. They're a couple a few years older than me. The middle brother, I'm the youngest, I'm the baby. So the oldest brother is five years older than me. The middle brother is three years older than me. And the youngest brother is two years older than me. <laughs> um, and What pushed you to do improv? To, like, it was actually kind of them. As a, it was, it was. How did they find out about improv? We have a teacher. We had a teacher, a drama, a drama teacher. He was like a three or four time governor general award for teaching, which is like a, a major, major award in Canada for like, it's, it's like the excellence of excellence of excellence in teaching. He won it like three or four times. He was just like this incredible teacher. And somehow oh, uh, in my school, cause I grew up in a very small town. Like it was like maybe 2,500 people in town and like 5,000 people in the entire County. Um, wow. yeah. And, uh, so in my school, my graduating class was 100 people. Okay. And uh, in our school, if you played sports, you also did drama. So like there weren't you, like – You kind of had to. Yeah. Like there, like there weren't really drama nerds or like sports jocks or like academic nerds or whatever. Like it wasn't that at all. Everyone kind of did everything. Um, mm. So – uh, I was always like the funny one. Like my brothers and I used to goof around all the time. We used to make home videos when we were young. My mom was actually a, a stage clown, so not a circus clown, but like a like a practiced, educated stage clown. Wow. Yeah, and a puppeteer. And so we kind of got it from her. She was very lively and open and loving. And my mo- my dad was like this, like super stern, angry all the time 
guy who was like always working and always pissed off, which is honestly one of my favorite things about him. <laughs> I actually have a character about him and I have a character based off my mom that the, that I play. Um, but yeah, so we always kind of had a very lively like home. And when we got into high school, this drama teacher was kind of, it was kind of like everyone would go into drama cause it was really fun and he was dope and you played improv games and fucked around but also learned so many things that you wouldn't even realize that you'd learned just by playing these games with him. Um, so we had him, the boys went into it and they were very, very good at improv. And then I kind of went into it because my brain growing up was like anything the boys can do, I can do. And that was something I really wanted to do. And my parents, my dad especially was like, it doesn't matter if you're a girl or a boy or whatever you identify as your ass gets outside and you go to work. Mm -hmm. Like that's what you do. Right. Cause we grew up on a farm. So I started machining when I was, I think I was 13. And like, I, I had experiential journeyman status by the time I was 17, like, which is like more than a 40 year old guy would have had. Yeah. Um, so it was just like kind of what you did. So the boys were in it and they were good at improv and drama. And I was like, I can do that. I'm going to be even better at it. Um, and I was, I was really, really good. Uh, and I kind of just decided to do it. So we competed in, in multiple tournaments and we would win everything. Um, especially Kevin and I, my youngest, my youngest brother, and then myself, we were this duo that was like unstoppable. We like won the Canadian improv games, like the nationals and provincials and just like endless things. We were, um, we were really good, but we also didn't have a lot of boundaries sorry, with each other. Improv tournaments to me. Like, I don't think, Oh, it, I don't think we have anything like at least that's serious with that word that I know of. It's high school. It's high school. So maybe take it less serious. It's just basically like you go and play a, like theater sports. So fast, short paced games uh, or short paced, uh, short, mm -hmm. fast paced games. Thank you. <laughs> um, where you, the audience or judges can kind of determine what scene they like better. Um, and then I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah. So, Oh, good God. Keith Johnstone is, I actually have a book like right beside me. The book is called Impro Improvisation in the theater. It's by Keith Johnstone. Um, I believe he was like the father of theater sports. Maybe don't quote me on that just in case I'm really wrong. Well, you already um, said it and it's recorded, so it's fine. Uh -oh. No, no, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just uh have you seen Whose Line Is It Anyway? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so you know the quick games that they yeah. play, they play a bunch of games that are short. That's those are theater sports style games. Absolutely. That's, like that's yeah. not the part that I'm confused about. It's it's oh. the, like I didn't know that was a thing in high schools, like Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Improv is really big here. Ah, um that's... Because it's it's such a valuable tool. Like I, I think that everybody should take an improv class, especially if you're a, a working professional. You should you should know how to think on your feet, and it also helps with like um, discussions and debating, and not necessarily that you want it for arguments, but uh, creativity, um, anything, right? Yeah, and like just the straight up like yeah. listening part of it, like yeah, exactly. There's there's so many things, and so basically, it's just like. A, a way to like keep involved. So students will, will, um, I want I don't want to say rehearse cause it's fucking improv, but, um, they'll practice. They'll have, um, not rehearsals, but jams, improv jams, and they'll play a bunch of games. And then it's just like different schools will come together and they'll compete and judges will rate their performances based off of, um, narrative and character and style and like rhythm, that kind of sh uh, rhythm's wrong, but 
I'm going to get in I, trouble if you I post this. Like, you do want it to be fast paced. Yeah. You want it to have a certain flow to it. Yeah. I think rhythm's a perfectly yeah, fine description like, of horror. Right. And like how well you play the game, right? So if I'm playing a game, you know, like how, how well do you stick to the rules that you set up or what promises did you make to the audience? Did you fulfill those promises? Right. Um, that kind of stuff. So you can do it in like high school. You just like play games and stuff like that. But eventually um, rapid fire is actually uh, one of the hosts of the nose bowl, which is when I was in school was like a competition where people would come from all over the province and compete. And if you win, you get to go to um, uh, you get to go to um, Ottawa and compete in the Canadian improv games, which is like the main event yeah it seems so like i don't know it just seems so bizarre to me like i've never heard of that before it's crazy yeah i think it's just like kind of one of those things like sports right like it's something that you because like you know i'm putting it into the whole like speech and debate category like because i know like thinking back to my high school experience there was a debate team and that was always coupled with the speech team which and they would do like maybe dramatic monologues or that kind of stuff but i never heard of improv in that way like yeah it's, it's so bizarre all right so uh rapid fire yes uh, sorry thank yeah. you uh a friend of mine was in the company i when i graduated from high school i took a couple years off and worked and then i kind of stopped doing improv went back to university and then a, a friend of mine who was in the company knew my background and uh just generally was like you need to do improv again and i was like no nah, i'm good <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, he got me an audition. He didn't tell me normally you have to like, kind of go through the ranks of the company. So like you have to have been coached by someone or you have to have, um, gone through the workshops and like, and eventually you'll get offered an audition. And then if you audition, you might get in. Right. Um, but he just like put my name up cause he was a big deal in the company. And then the next thing I know, I got this email and was like, congratulations, you got an audition. I'm like, for what? (laughs) Because I was still in acting school. I was still in theater school. Uh, And I was so nervous that I went for, I tried to go eat something before. Instead, I just ended up having like half a bottle of wine. And I showed up like half cut. (laughs) I don't even know if they know this. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. It's okay. I've been with the company for a while. enough that they can't, I don't think they can retrofire you or. Yeah, I hope not. Um, Yeah, so I showed up like half cut probably more than that just like shitting bricks I was so nervous uh and I did all the things and I played the improv games and had a lot of fun uh and then they did the interview for me and like my interview was so bad at least in my brain because I was so drunk and nervous and like oh yeah cool (laughs) yeah um just being an idiot and they were like why do you want to do this and I said I think this is a great training ground and instead of just being like I want to be in rapid fire because it's awesome because it it really really is Um, but I was just like, this is a great stepping stool or stepping stone. And they were like, what? And I was like, that was wrong. I didn't mean to say that. And I was very confused. And then like three days later, they're like, congratulations. I was like, are you, I'm sober. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Really? You let me in. I was an ass, like a drunk asshole. And like, they saw something in me. And so, yeah. And I, I really owe Marvin Berry to them. So, uh, uh, I mean, you mentioned growing up on a farm, oil fields in Alberta, machinist mm-hmm. and tradesman, everything like tradesperson. Uh, why go to theater school? Why is that your pursuit 
academically? My my mom said when I was a kid, I don't know if this is true, uh, but my mom said that when I was a kid, we were watching SNL. We were watching a rerun of um, Chris Flarley with the, the van down by the river. Mm-hmm. We were watching an episode of that and that I was imitating Chris. Uh, and she said that I told her I was going to be on that show one day. I'm like, I'm going to be on that show one day. And she was like, sure you are, honey. Uh, and then I grew up and I was like 22 and I was like, I'm going to be on SNL one day. And she was like, oh, okay. Like it was a real thing. <laughs> um, I was always very theatrical and I really get it from my mom and like the the weird the weird shift between my parents is very funny. Like they're completely opposite, but somehow line up perfectly. Um, yeah. So I really got it from my mom. I think I really owe it to my mom. We were very open and, and excited and lively. And she used to tell these ridiculous stories. And then once I got into drama school or not drama school, high school, my drama teacher, Bruce McDonald was like, you should do this. Like, this is what you should be. And I just kind of thought like, oh, he's just being nice. He's my high school teacher. And then I went to a One X festival because um, we did it every year. And we would take like 10 shows to this like kind of like the theater sports or like the the improv tournament. But it's like a One X festival tournament okay. uh, where you rehearse plays and then you compete with other schools, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we would bring like 10 or 11 plays and I would be in all of them except for one because that one play was the junior high one. Um which was interesting because um, I'd play all these different characters. And then I met my now mentor. Um, his name is Michael Kennard. He's from a clown duo called Mump and Smoot. They're stage clowns. And they're like internationally known. If you if you don't know what it is, you have to look it up. Mump and Smoot is crazy. They're these two horror clowns. Um, it's exactly like it sounds. Lots of blood and guts. They don't speak English. They speak a language called Umo, and they praise a god named Umo. And they're from a planet called Umonium, uh, or Umo, and they speak Umonium. That's what it is, and it's it's very, mm. it's very strange. Um, but he actually saw me in a One X festival when I was, I think I was in grade eleven, and was like, "What do you want to do with your life?" And I just, I was like, "Well, I'd like to do this." Uh, and he said, good, we're going to do everything that we can to make that happen. And then that's why I kind of went to theater school. He kind of picked me up where I, you know, when school, when high school ended, he kind of went, okay, and now you're going to do this and this and this. Um, and then I just kind of fell in love with it. Okay. So, yeah. So uh, Marvin Berry completely comes out of rabbit fire. Like all five of you were members yes. and. Still are members. Right. Okay. Uh, and. What would you say is like the style of Marvin Berry? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, sure. I don't know. The The boys might have better answers. I think we're all too different. Um, Quinn is, uh, oh shit, I don't know. I, could, I, I don't know if I could put us like and say this is our one style of improv because we'll have one sketch that is, I, I yeah, I don't know. We have very wacky character things. Like, like you guys don't have a branding, like, because there's certain sketch groups that have like nope. a tagline to themselves. Our tagline like, is "We make jokes." That's it. Just that's it. We make jokes. <laughs> just simple enough. That's and, it. Yeah. Um. Uh-huh. Our our like mascot is a ghost. I guess I I'm I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that's our logo is a little ghost who wears a bow tie. Um. 
I don't, I wouldn't know what to say. We have such different things. We have a lot of uh, different things. We have like really hugely character-based sketches. Uh, I, uh, Sam and I really like to write uh, character-based sketches. Um, mm-hmm. um, Mike likes to write uh, really like awkward scenarios and he's very good at it. Quinn is very intellectual. He really likes to, to write mighty Monty Python style. Um, Chris is like very surreal. Chris has like the weirdest sketches and the weirdest jokes, but they're always so good and so funny. So it's kind of hard to say because we all make one sketch that is very much a character sketch. And then once everyone else gets their hands on it, it becomes something different. If that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. Um, I don't think I've ever been in a, in a situation where we were, I've ever worked like that, where, you know, you bring a first draft and like all hands go in and reshape it. Like, I don't think anything, cause I haven't been in a, like a full-time group in a while. I've been mostly doing this podcast and like producing stuff uh, for the last couple of years. I don't think I've ever been in a scenario where my sketch wasn't still my sketch at the end or like, I'd never had that. Like <laughs> I always held own. I always kept ownership of anything I wrote for the sketch group. You know, it's, compared to the full team yeah well that's the thing is like it's not usually a full team rewrite like i'll i'll produce a sketch or one of us will produce a sketch and it won't be like the sketch is no longer mine like it's not like it won't be recognizable to me it's just that like i'll write a character a certain way and sam in my brain and then sam will read it and it's instantly better because of just the way that sam is and the way that sam embodies characters or like I'll write a sketch specifically with Chris in mind because I know how Chris plays something. Anyways, uh, there was a sketch called Weekend DJ, and it was Sam's. It was Sam's idea, and the idea was that um, we wanted to make fun of re- radio DJs because it's like DJ Alize, ah, uh, like that kind of shit, like fow, 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 air horns, unnecessary kind of bullshit on the radio. Um, and- I'm happy that you guys have that in Canada. Yes, too. we do. Uh, we're I think we're actually doing weekend DJ when we come down. Um, so it's very ridiculous. But the idea was that uh, Sam and I tried to write this sketch, and the first draft was very like um, we couldn't figure out how to do it. We wanted it to be like a competition where the two people were going against each other, but we didn't really know how to do it. And Sam wrote like a draft of it, uh, which like didn't hit it was very good but it like we were missing something it just was like missing the mark and we didn't know why and then one day i was like you know what i'm just gonna try to write my own version of that same sketch um keeping the ideas that sam had so like rosmanda that her name is rosmanda is the character and she's like oh yes yes she's from a cult and she uh she is like left her cult to become a radio dj uh- and she like talks about the sky father she's like uh, bless Sky Father and like that kind of stuff. She's very weird. Mm-hmm. Odd career change, like, but yeah. Yeah, and like overly sexual. She's just like so sexual, but like everything that comes out of her mouth doesn't match her as a human, <laughs> uh, which I think is where the hum- where the humor comes from. It. She just says a lot of weird shit, and then I always try to grab like the Quinn's dick. Quinn plays the opposite radio DJ to me, and I always grab his dick, but like I always actually grab Quinn's dick. So like. It's very strange. <laughs> it's it's very strange. Um, I, suppose we, I suppose it's good to be in a, a group that you're close enough that you can like you know do that or yeah. That's 
get, let me finish this. And then we'll go on to like how we don't have boundaries. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so I ended up rewriting the sketch into it. Like I left his draft, made my own draft completely new, um, put in all these different, um, ideas and thoughts and jokes. Um, and so that I think was one of the only times where a sketch was like totally changed. Um, but it was, it kind of worked better because suddenly I, I figured out what Sam couldn't figure out was just like how Mm. to make it line up and, and what exactly the conflict was. Um, and then Sam came over and then we inserted jokes that worked for us. And then Mike came over and we inserted different jokes to like go with it. And then we brought our tech cause we have a tech who travels with us. She's not coming to Philly, but she's incredible. Um, and she designed our entire show. So like all of our DJ intros, she actually like remixed them and like she found all of our sound cues and so, um, and set it up on my laptop so that if anyone runs that sketch, like, like a monkey could do it. It's so yeah. easy. Um, but yeah, I think that was one of the only times that like there was a full rewrite of a sketch. But other than that, like uh, we like to call Chris our punch up because he will come in and take a sketch that has jokes in it and go, yeah, but this joke would be so much better here. And this joke would be so much better there. Uh, Mike is really good at logistics of sketches. Quinn is very good at like um, uh, thinking of the flow of a sketch Sam is very good at in like infusing more character driven things. And then we all do what everyone else does. But I just think like, that's kind of the way that I look at it, I guess. Yeah. So how do you get to know boundaries? Uh, How did we get to know boundaries? Like I improvised with Sam before. Oh, I is guess it I just know. like a full trust thing? Like, Yeah. So there is <laughs> – the boys might be a little bit more like, – especially Mike. If you talk to Mike about no boundaries, he's going to be like, what did she tell you? Because um, <laughs> I think Mike has the most boundaries out of all of us. But um, there's not a lot of – I don't even know how to say it. There's different sketches that we did. We have a sketch called Couples Counseling that I wrote. Um, it's one of our most famous sketches actually. Um, it's about a couple that goes to therapy cause they want to learn how to fight. Okay. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a great sketch. Um, but the, the couple that's in it, they have no boundaries with each other and that's kind of like one of their things. Um, and so Sam and I, Sam plays my husband in that we actually developed like no boundaries, like to the point where like I am licking his face or like gagging him with my fingers. Um, and we were writing like a follow-up sketch to that. Like where else could we put this couple? Because so many people are asking it. They're called Gary and Deb. So many people are asking to see Gary and Deb again. Uh, And we were working on a sketch for a show, uh, which was like a new sketch that they were going to be in. And we were kind of making jokes. Like, what would be the thing that would be, you know, like the audience would be like, oh, don't do that. That's so inappropriate. Um, But we could do. uh, And Sam was like flicking my nipples at one point. And we're like rehearsing this. And he was actually flicking my nipples and staring at the other two boys. So we're like in the stage space. The other two are sitting in the audience and Sam is talking because Chris was in Vancouver, I think. But Sam is flicking my nipples, actually flicking my nipples and talking and having a serious conversation about like, is this the funniest bit? And I'm talking very seriously, not paying attention to the fact that Sam is actually flicking my nipples. And then finally I clued in and I was like, oh, Sam, sorry, my nips are getting a little hard. And I was like, not wearing a bra, I was wearing a bodysuit. And he was like, oh, sorry. And then we keep talking. And then Quinn goes, well, what about this? And he walks up and like full on 
two-handed grabs my boobs and like shoves my boobs together and then like pulls them apart and then shoves them together. And I'm looking at him and talking to the rest of him and like being handled. And I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, but Quinn, your back is to the audience. And he goes, oh, right. So he comes behind me, grabs my boobs and keeps doing the same thing. And like, and it's just, to me, it was really funny because it wasn't until later that I realized how like ridiculous that is because at no point was it inappropriate to me because I think we just have that like, obviously depending on the context, um, we just have that understanding that like this is for fun and this is a joke and we're very, we're very comfortable with each other. Like I don't, I don't think there's any part of any of them that I haven't touched. Like this is going to sound filthy, not in that way, but everything else is, you know, is already kind of filthy or like, yeah. Bordering on whatever me too movement or yeah. And some other theater being shut down. Yeah. It's hard because a lot of people, you know, with the intimacy directors and stuff like that, I actually wrote a sketch called intimacy director. I don't want to talk about it on this podcast because for fear of getting in trouble. Um, but, uh, Yeah, we actually, what was it? I I wrote the sketch called Intimacy Director because a lot of people were coming to me and going like, Marvin Berry needs intimacy direction. And I said, we need or you want to sell us your product? And they were like, well, don't you think you need it? And I said, for what? And they were like, well, you know, you're the only female in the group because I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, our tech is also female. Um, But uh, we, uh, they were like, yeah, like, aren't you uncomfortable with this? And I'm like, no, like, we, we have developed this very clear bond. And like when you travel together so much, like it's just kind of a thing that you get used to. Um, but we really are a family and it's not, it's never been inappropriate. And I don't, I don't have any, yeah. Okay. I have no, I have no doubt in my mind. Like when I'm with those boys, I always feel safe. They're always so appropriate and they we are always very caring for each other and like it's always a joke like randomly like one of them will box me when we're walking down the street or like i'll flick quinn in the nuts or something like that because i grew up with boys right i i have three older brothers so it's just kind of like i travel with my brothers and we do stupid shit Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean Uh, so yeah it's it gets weird uh i always ask this as as we wrap up as we uh you know finish up um and this could be either something like existential about life that you've learned or something just practical about the craft of sketch writing. What's something that you've learned from comedy that you'd pass on to someone that's new to it, someone that's just entering the comedy world? Oh my God. Uh, don't limit yourself. Don't And don't let other people put limitations on you. I think that's a, a huge thing for me. Cause I, I feel like a, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like limits how so. Just uh, in what you can play and what you're capable of and what, what you're able to write. And, and if you fuck up once, it doesn't mean you're going to continue to fuck up for the rest of your life. And sometimes if you do fuck up, the more you fuck up, the better you become. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so I find that when people, screw up on a certain joke or talking about a certain topic, like obviously be respectful of people and, and places and things like you, you have to be respectful, but um, don't be afraid to, to fuck up because I find that when people do, they just, they go, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to whatever, just rework it, try it. The best gift you can give to yourself is failing at something because you'll learn how not to do it. Right. 
you'll learn a thousand ways to get to the same endpoint or maybe a totally different endpoint you didn't even know you were capable of. So yeah, just don't limit yourself, challenge yourself all the time. Cause that's, that's what we do as a group. Like I don't, I don't think there's a day that goes by that one of them doesn't want to choke me or I want to choke one of them, but it, it's, it's, it makes us so much better and it makes our comedy so much stronger. And yeah. Does that uh, help? Yeah. And then finally, uh, why comedy? Why do you, why is this the way that you spend your time? Why is this your path? Like, cause are, like, uh, are you a professional actor? Like, I mean like full-time professional actor, like you're, Yes. Or do you have like another job that's like more? Nope. Okay. Uh, I'm a, I'm a full-time professional actress. I do film television uh, and only theater if it okay. like really drives me. Um, I just closed a show that was unreal, but it, again, it has to, it has to like really grab me. So film, television, sometimes theater and then uh, comedy. And so like improv, stand up, sketch comedy. So then why is Marvin Barry like your free time activity for yourself? What drives you to do it? Marvin Berry specifically uh, makes me feel like anything is possible. I've I've never done anything. I, I've yeah I've never worked with people and I've never done anything that fills me so much. Like I whenever I'm with them, I'm so happy. And whenever we do our shows, I don't think there's another. Yeah, there's there's no other feeling like that. Like it's it's not just a high, but it's like a happiness. It's like a yeah, holy shit, that's such a hard question. Mm-hmm. Mar- Marvin Marvin Barry just just makes me feel whole, and I've never been so comfortable and so capable and so challenged at the same time as having a fucking blast than I am with those guys. Yeah. All right, that sounds nice. It's 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 lovely. They probably won't be so like heartfelt about it. Oh, I that's don't, my, Josh. I don't take anyone's heartfelt anymore. So that's perfectly great, perfectly fine. Yeah. It's a nice change of pace for me. Oh, good. Uh, good. Thanks, Nikki. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Marvin Berry will be playing at Philly Sketchfest on Friday, June 1st in the 7 p.m. block, along with Patrick Wright's sketches and the incredible shrinking Matt and Jackie. Tickets are available at Ticketfly, but for your convenience, if you go to myfirstsketch.com tickets, it'll take you right to that page. And then after they return to Edmonton, they'll be performing at Improvaganza at the Rapid Fire Theater on June 17th at 7.30. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. And our Instagram is at phillysketchfest. And there will be a lot of stuff going on on our social media in the next week. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com and like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>